0: To the as Peter Atea podcast or heard from him, he is a sort of a different sort of doctor. He's focused on longevity and that sort of thing. Um, very critical of a lot of what is common in the medical establishment. But what's interesting that I want to bring up this morning is I got to the nutrition section of this book. He's clearly, clearly a man very focused on my nutrition. Um, yeah. Well, he, he makes a very interesting point. And he, he's talking about how most of the modern like diets that are out there, right? And you've probably heard of all these, like the ketogenic diet. Um, that's how, when I lost a few years ago, when I lost 80 pounds, that was how I did it. I stayed keto for like nine months. It was, and uh, worked up and lost 80 pounds. It was great. It's really tough to be keto all the time. I mean, I love steak, don't get me wrong. But you know, there's only so much steak eating. <laughs> Or the Mediterranean diet, you probably heard of that, or the Paleo diet. Um, Jen used to follow, she probably should follow again, though, because it was really good for MS. The Walls Protocol Diet, if you've ever heard of that. Dr. Walls, down in Iowa City, uh, who had MS, and who basically reversed her MS through diet and exercise. brilliant doctor. Um, but his point is, he talks about these diets, is that Pretty much for most people, almost any of them will work. First of all, because they're better than the standard American diet. Because the standard American diet is approximately 47% processed and fast food. And just what people eat in general in America is very bad for them. So he says all these diets will work for most people because They're better than the standard American diet. Except that you have to actually do it. You have to actually follow these patterns of eating to have any effect. You can't just learn about it or think about it. You have to do it and stick to it. And that, of course, is the the tough part. This is kind of the central point I I want to take this morning from the the first section of Colossians chapter 2. Basically, Paul's point, as we're going to see, is that, really, the true knowledge of Jesus Christ isn't just what we know. It really is actually how we live. Known is one thing, but we actually, for it to matter, have to do what Jesus said. Now remember, we talked before about how Paul points out Jesus is preeminent in everything. There's nothing in the universe he's not preeminent over. Everything material, everything spiritual, over the church, over us, he is the preeminent person in the universe. And even if that's not fully apparent now, there will come a time in the future, the scriptures assure us, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So even if he's not treated as being preeminent now, There will be a day where all will know But he's not just preeminent. That's awesome. But he's not just preeminent. We learned last week, the preeminent one of the universe is living in us. That's what was meant by mystery in chapter 1, that Christ lives in us. Since Jesus lives in us then, what should our response be? that. And we're going to find the answer to that in the next few verses. And the first thing we're going to realize is Paul is going to tell us that all of life's answers are found in Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love uh, Paul was willing to pretty much suffer whatever was necessary to complete his mission of taking the gospel of the Gentiles and to see them become like Jesus, which is, as I have stated, 10,000 times from this pulpit, God's stated goal for all of us, to be like Jesus. Now, in keeping with that theme, then, of presenting every believer mature in Jesus, Paul Says he, he deeply desires even those whom he's never met. Because remember, he's never been Colossae. <clears throat> this church was founded by a Baptists he's, he's never been there. He doesn't know these people. But he deeply desires even them to deeply and fully know Jesus. That word struggle here is from the root that we get our word agony from. Agonizai where we get angry, from. And it gives us that idea that Paul is, is really, really just viscerally concerned for their spiritual growth. What I want to focus on, though, is the last half of verse 2 and verse 3 that we had highlighted. Here Paul tells us that in Jesus is everything we need to know. Now when I say that, we obviously understand everything we need to know in the context of spiritual things not everything you need to know if you want to build an addition to your house, or fix a diesel motor. The Bible will not help you there. Although I can say that generally my involvement in all things mechanical results in me violating several commandments probably by the time the <laughs> project. But anyway, it's sort of like playing golf. You will find out how sanctified you really are on the and it's disappointing for most of us. His choice of words is very careful here, as he wants to counter the rising popularity of what would become the early Christian heresy of Gnosticism. Now, if you were at my Sunday school class last month, you would know something about Gnosticism, because we spent a Sunday talking about that. But since some of you weren't, although you could be, just saying Sunday school is not restricted you walk with the joints. Same. That was my semi-slightly not guilty sort of thought <laughs> for Sunday school. How'd I do? Good. Pretty good. Super. Right. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. But I want them to know what's available. Available. And we have great teachers. Steve and Joe. I take them off every so often. So you have two great teachers. And we tell you a little bit about Gnosticism. It's from the, from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And the basic tenet of Gnosticism, without going into a lot of details, is that if you really, really want salvation, there is secret knowledge that you can only get from a certain guru or a certain through certain rites and initiations into certain mysteries. And so you really have to be a part of our special secret, super secret little group if you really, really want salvation. If you really want to know spiritual things, you have to be part of our, our little sect. You have to know things that aren't, aren't revealed elsewhere. We are the only ones with that kind of knowledge. And so it sort of combined the ancient mystery cults with some Jesus stuff, and we made a mess of everything. But basically what you had is you had these teachers and this existed at the time of Jesus and and the time after here um, that were telling people you need special hidden knowledge in order to have true salvation. And so Paul uses their own language here to point out that all the spiritual knowledge anyone could ever need is in Christ. It is not in some mysterious rites or some special teacher or some book that you have to buy it from Eckhart Tolle on Amazon for 19.95 or anything like that. Oprah doesn't have it. I promise you. Well, I promise you, Oprah. <laughs> and so here in this section of Colossians, Christ Himself is now the mystery, and in Him is found everything we need to know. We do not have to go outside of Jesus as presented in the Scriptures to find anything we need for our spiritual lives or for true salvation. As I was reading that, the first video, as I was studying and reading that, I thought of my friend, Bill Peters, went back in the seminary, Paul. And Bill used to say to people, look, I don't know what your problem is, but I bet Jesus is the solution somehow. So Paul here is using the Gnostics' own language to counter <laughs> their arguments about needing special revelation. Because he's saying, there is, Jesus is the revelation. He's all you need. You don't need something else. And we need to be careful of this, because there's a lot of this sort of nonsense floating around these days. There's lots of naming of Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. There's all sorts of made-up Jesus that's no savior at all. Using the same words that we might use but in ways that are not supported by the scriptures. For example, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy, uh, very, very famous guy named Richard Rohr. Anybody ever heard of Richard Rohr? He's a sort of, sort of Catholic scholar. I mean, I don't think Catholics want much to do with him, to be honest. He talks about the cosmic Christ. You ever heard that? Cosmic Christ? It's the idea that... Christ's spirit is embedded in and makes up everything in the universe and Jesus is really just the embodied version of the spirit that we can fall in love and relate to so so really God is in everything in the universe and Jesus is the personification of that so that we can fall in love with him and relate to him I have another name for that maybe you've heard this word panentheism, you ever heard that word? That is the heresy that God can all and in theism God, that God is in everything. See, So Richard Rohr would tell you that in these beautiful flowers, which are from Jan Conrad's funeral, that God, the beauty that God is in these flowers. Now, not that God made these flowers, because I don't think any of us would disagree that God created the, the blueprint for the flowers, right? Flowers are part of the creation, okay? I mean, I I didn't make them, that's for sure. I can barely draw one on a piece of paper with a colored pencil. (coughs) Aurora would say God is actually in the (coughs) flowers. Oops, sorry, guys. doesn that sounds super spiritual super dead it's not the Christ of the Bible and so Paul is trying to drive home the concept that everything we need for salvation for a relationship with God for living a life that is pleasing to God for really anything that's spiritual is found in Jesus not Jesus plus something or someone else just Jesus and that God is not trying to hide anything from making it as plain as possible through the person and work of Jesus as presented to all of us in the scriptures. He's not trying to hide anything. He's not trying to fool anybody. He's not trying to trick anybody. He's not trying to keep it so that only a little, teeny, tiny group of people know what the truth is. So if somebody comes and they're claiming special knowledge or that God has revealed something to them that nobody else knows, run away. Run far away. And keep running. And some of us can exercise anyway. God has revealed all he is revealing in Christ. And he is not hiding some special knowledge that is only reserved for a few people who happen to be on Oprah and are trying to sell a book. This is how think of, this is how every cult starts with somebody like Joseph Smith. Oh, there's this hidden knowledge that God's angel gave me on these gold tablets or gold tablets, like that. right? Oh. Or David Koresh whoever. Pick, pick your favorite cult leader. It's always some special knowledge that nobody else has. You know, it's interesting to me, when I think about all that, you know, Jesus is a, is a pretty great Savior. So why? Uh, I mean, I would think people would be thrilled that everything we need spiritually is found in Jesus. It makes it pretty easy. Sin and our selfishness, we want a Jesus who just does what we want and gives us what we want. We want the Jesus who is all health and wealth and that sort of thing. We want the Jesus who lets us do anything we want, whenever we want, however we want. Your way, right away, burden now. The problem is, that's not the real Jesus real Jesus calls us to all sorts of things we are not very interested in. Taking up our cross and denying ourselves. Loving our enemies. Putting others first and ourselves second. Just go read the Sermon on the Mount and you'll get the idea. A lot of that stuff is not stuff that we really want to do. Paul's going to drive this home in the next two verses. He's going to point out that really that knowledge is nothing if that knowledge doesn't result in some action. Because truly knowing Jesus is living like him. Verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Now whenever we see the word walk, in this sort of context, the Bible is talking about how we live our daily lives. You can actually trace that metaphor through the scriptures. It originates in Exodus 18.20, and you can find it all over the Psalms, right? Psalm 1, in fact, starts with that, the very first verse, right? Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. And it goes through the Psalms and the prophets, and it's picked up in the New Testament. It goes all the way through the New Testament. And then the therefore connects us to the idea of everything that we need being in Christ. Since everything we need spiritually is in Jesus, and we've received Christ Jesus the Lord, then, therefore, we should live like him. That's what it means to be fully rooted and established in our faith, is that we live as Jesus lived, just as he taught. Okay. Okay. Let's let's work back through these verses backwards. First, we need to be taught correctly, right? He says, just as you were taught. That's the purpose of pastors and teachers in the church. It is not to fill your head with knowledge or make it so that you can win every argument, whether it's with people from some other church or against them, they're pagans out there. Not that, okay? I mean, that's the purpose of our teaching. I, I have no desire. I'm not going to, you know, go to somebody else's church and argue with them about the finer points of doctrine. That doesn't help anybody. So, don't have to go, you know. I don't, I don't think arguing with people who don't know Jesus does a whole lot for them. I mean, maybe gentle discourse. I mean, you shouldn't stand for the truth, but I'm, I'm not sure getting in fights with people helps much. Never helps me, that's for sure. And I'm generally not inclined to listen to anybody that comes like Abby <coughs> <coughs> at the preachers, you know, on college campuses. are to burn. Oh, bro. ain't going to help nobody. So I'm not going to quote it here, but if you were to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and you were to read the first half of the chapter, you will note that the purpose of pastors and teachers is to help everyone achieve unity in the faith and become fully mature. And what else is fully mature if it is just not living like Jesus? And then, when we've been properly instructed, okay, so taught, instructed, then we're going to be established in the faith, and I like this word for established, because in the original it means to be built on a solid foundation. And we know from the scriptures, Jesus is both the foundation and in fact, what we're building with, the building blocks of the building. So people who are established in the faith, who have been properly instructed and become solidly built on the foundation of Jesus, are gonna live their lives like Jesus. In fact, it's exactly how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount that I talked about a few minutes ago. Look at Matthew seven, starting at verse twenty-four. It's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them—now, what is he talking about? These words of mine. He's talking about Matthew chapters five up to verse point7 the Sermon on the Mount. It's all one long sermon; hence the name. Everyone who hears these words of mine. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against that house. And the beach house in Florida, on the coast, got sucked into the ocean from the hurricane. Oh, that's not exactly what like. You get the idea. So I'm going to live in Florida. He's my mother's home. On the word of Jesus, we're going to withstand the things life throws us. Now, perhaps you're sitting there this morning, just in case, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, that, that sounds almost like a work sort of salvation. You're talking about doing this, that, and the other thing. But I would remind us all of what Dallas Willard said. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. We can't earn our salvation. But that doesn't mean there aren't things Christ doesn't call us to do. Christ really gives salvation to everyone who would genuinely put their faith and trust in His person and work. He really gives it. It's His grace to us. But that is the first step on a narrow road that, in the Spirit's power, we're going to walk with Jesus into becoming more like Him. Because it's the same Savior, right, who says anyone who believes, and also says narrow is the way. So, we can cooperate with God and His Spirit in achieving that stated goal in Romans 8 of becoming like Jesus. We can do that, no choice. Or we can resist. Resisting is when we refuse to take on the yoke of Jesus' teaching and learn from Him so that we become like Him. Now, Paul's already told us everything that we need is already there, found in Christ Himself. There's no special knowledge you need. There's no secret revelation. There, there isn't anything like that. I, I, no, I'm not hiding anything from you.
1: God is not
0: hiding anything from you. If somebody comes and says, oh, you actually really know this. God has hidden this up until now. No. 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 Nothing like that needed. You don't need to decipher any Bible codes. You don't need to look for the hidden meaning in secret numbers in the text that if you count every 50th Hebrew letter starting at the third Talbot in Genesis chapter one, you'll find out who assassinated Kennedy. <laughs> However. <laughs> You're laughing, but there's people who think there's hidden codes by counting Hebrew letters in scriptures. No. Jesus and his teaching presented to us in the scripture. That's why I'm so firmly committed to teaching straight out of the Bible. It's the only primary resource, the only objective truth we have for knowing Jesus and knowing what he desires from us. That's what we have, the word of God. Now, it's not always the things that we desire of him. That's, of course, part of the problem, right? Because our flesh and our self rebels against some of the things Jesus calls us to. And that's some of the things we don't like. And that's some of the things some preachers don't want to talk about because people don't like some of this stuff. Take out my cross. See, that sounds kind of painful. i not sure I'm into that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Kind of like my kingdom. I kind of like my kingdom. My own little kingdom. Right, it's in the office over there bunch of guitars and books. Sweet TV. Got it on sale on Amazon. Right now. Serve others? Uh, I like to be served. I like to be served. I like it when I'm at the restaurant and the staff comes over and refills my water glasses on asking. I want to be served, right? That's my flesh one. Things like taking up our cross and seeking first his kingdom and serving others are the things that not only please our Lord, but that also help to make us more like him. And nothing is going to be more rewarding, I promise you, than being more like Jesus. So we really got a choice. And I think that's that's the thing. So the thing I want you to take home from here is you have a choice. We can cooperate with Jesus who is living in us. That's what we said last week. Jesus living in us. We can cooperate with Jesus living in us and become more like Jesus. Or we can resist Jesus living in us and not become more like him. There is no secret knowledge. There is no silver bullet. There's nothing like that to help you grow in Christ. There's nothing, there's no weird little magic trick that I can give you that is going to help you grow spiritually. There is no fancy internet headline, seven secrets to grow in Jesus, and number five is going to shock you. No. Nothing like that. It is a lifetime commitment of apprenticing to Jesus to become like him through learning and applying the word. There you go. That's the secret of Father, we are so grateful this morning to have your word, both the written word, which is the scriptures, but more importantly, even the living word, that is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And you're not hiding anything from us. In Jesus is everything we need, and you've presented him to us through the scriptures so that we can know what you want and how to follow the narrow road that we step upon when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died and who rose from the grave. So help us to choose every day to be the kind of people who want to grow in Christ, who lives in us, and to give him the glory.